What's up? This is Bobby Riggs Jr. with So Fucking Cool Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks a lot for checking us out. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, So Fucking Cool Fantasy Football. Send us an email at sofuckingcool at gmx.com. Again, that's cool at gmx.com. Make sure you get out those questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to say. Let us know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, what you'd like to see us improve, what you'd like to see us talk about. We're here for you guys. We're going to start growing. We want to get bigger. We want to get better. I want this to be about you guys. I've been doing fantasy football for 20 years now. I've been running my league for, uh, this is six years. Uh, ran a previous league for two years. So I, I love doing this stuff. I love doing this. I thought today was a good day to get on the microphone and get this stuff started because fantasy football is here. The football season is here. Football is going to be starting uh, preseason. There's a lot of stuff. I know people who do fantasy who are committed to fantasy, they think about it year round. Uh, I follow a lot of different fantasy pages and I know people have already started drafting. Um, I am not a fan of drafting before you at least get to see some of the team on the field, um, you should not have drafted. Maybe some dynasty leagues who have drafted rookies, I can understand, because you're in for the long haul anyway, so the injuries don't really matter right away. But now's the time to get fired up. Now's the time to get ready for your fantasy football season. Preseason is here. We just had the NFL Hall of Fame preseason game. Not much to take away from it. Um, Drew Drew Locke was probably one of the people that a lot of people had their eyes on. Um, so today's podcast, let's uh, let's dive right in uh, fantasy football. This is going to basically cover your intro on fantasy football. I know a lot of you that are listening have have been there, have done that, and that's cool. That's awesome. Hang with us. We're going to get to everything you need to know in our next podcast. But this could actually help you guys out a lot too for some of you who are commissioners or some of you that are looking to join new leagues or try new things. You can, you're, I'm always looking to improve my league. Uh, I play in a 12-person, one-keeper league. I've been the commissioner of this for six years. The same guys have come back every single year. So we're always looking to improve. I'm always uh, scaling the internet, looking for different ideas, different things to better our fantasy league. But you know, you want to have the best league. So if you're getting into fantasy football or if you're looking to do more fantasy football, right, we're always looking to do more fantasy football. Here's some of the things that you got to consider right off the bat. When you're looking for a fantasy football league, the most important thing that you have to decide right off the bat is do you want to be in a money league or no? Are you doing this just for fun, having a good time with your buddies, jumping in a league just so it gives you another reason to watch football, not that we need another reason. But do you want that added interest by having your hard-earned money involved? Um, remember, this this is just another form of gambling. Only bet what you're willing to lose because you're not going to win every year. You're not going to get your money back every year. Um, but do you want to be in a money league? Uh, I've, I know guys that when I first started off, it was just me and my buddies. We were doing five dollars. Uh, when I first started playing fantasy football, this was actually early two thousand, 
maybe 99-2000 season. And we didn't even have a landscape for it on the internet, believe it or not. We used to do it using the newspaper. You would get the sports section and we would manually do it. It was an eight-man league. Uh, you had a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and that was it. That was all we had. You got one point for every 20 yards across the board for every single position, and you got six points for a touchdown. That was it. There was no uh, half points. There was no decimal points. It was if you got the 20 yards, you got a point. So if you ended up with 19 yards, you did not get a point for that guy. It was a lot of fun. It was awesome to watch fantasy grow to what it is today where you have multiple platforms. You have daily fantasy football. You have big leagues. You have keeper leagues. You have auction leagues. There's so much. Um, so right off the bat, make that decision. Are you putting money in or are you just doing this for fun? And then go from there. Uh, decide what kind of league you want to be in. Now, the most common, the most popular is a redraft league. A redraft league is exactly what it's called. You redraft every single year. Now, this could be picking up a new league every single year. This could be the same group of guys. At the end of the season, every single guy goes back into the draft pool and you redraft the next year. Uh, some teams will like to randomize the order. I've heard of a lot of different funny ways of randomizing. Um, you know, and, and that that's on your commissioner and on your league, how you're going to randomize. But redrafting every single year, every single player goes back in. Somebody gets first pick, second pick, all the way to as many people as you have in your league, and you redraft. That's a lot of fun. It's probably the most popular you see it a lot because it's the easiest to maintain. You can jump in leagues wherever, go on Yahoo and just join a public one. You can do it with your friends. There's not a huge year-to-year -year commitment, so you can make that decision every single year if you want to come back. It's, it's not hard to replace other people and everything. So the redraft is number one. Uh, number two is a keeper league. Keeper league is just like a redraft, except for you get to hold on to a couple of your players. Now, uh, keeper can work out a couple of different ways. I always call a keeper league up to five players. Anything over keeping five players, I consider that a dynasty. But a keeper league is you can keep up to five players. The league that I currently run right now, we have just a one keeper. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds. You're, you're trusting that all your uh, general managers are coming back every single year, that they're trying their best every single year. Uh, to to win it. So they're going to keep one player from their team. I love this idea because you get guys who, you know, are going to keep guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Barkley. Um, what are some other big names that have been kept in our league? You got Kamara being kept this year. But what's exciting about guys like Kamara, and, you know, even with Ezekiel Elliott and, and Barkley is these guys are young, so somebody drafted them as a rookie. Now, they may have taken them in the first round. They may have taken them in the second round, third round. 
if I remember correctly, Kamara was a late to last round pick, and now he's a keeper in this league. You can get guys that you can hold on to for a long time, and it gives you that starting point. It gives you that team to build around. It gives you, we all get attached to some of our players. This gives you that excuse to hold on to that player. And it does. It makes it a lot of fun. Uh, it, it kind of slows down some of the trades because people are like, well, you know, I, I can't give up Ezekiel Elliott right now because he's my keeper. And so you're going to have to up the offer because, you know, yeah, getting two guys for Ezekiel Elliott might sound nice if you can plug him into your starting lineup. But if neither one of those guys are guys that you trust rolling into the next season, you might be less inclined to take that offer. So it does. It kind of slows down some of the the trades and stuff, which, you know, the unrealistic trades. Um, but but again, is you get to hold on to that guy you like. Uh, usually, uh, in the past, I, my, my previous league was a two-keeper league. I had it set up so that you couldn't keep two people from the same position. So you couldn't keep... Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson, both running backs. You had to take two different positions. Now, most of the time what you saw is you would see a running back and a wide receiver kept uh, because then you're starting off usually with, with a pretty good wide receiver and a pretty good running back. It does make drafting kind of hard because when you start drafting, you're already looking at your RB2s and your wide receiver twos or you know your tight end one and stuff. But, you know, I mean, I know a guy in our league this year, uh, we, we had thought about voting on becoming a two-keeper league, and the, the reason the guy wants it is because he doesn't want to let go of Pat Mahomes. Now, keeping a quarterback uh, can really you know set you back because quarterback is a later round pick, but this guy is in love with Pat Mahomes. He has Pat Mahomes, and so he he's really trying to push on our vote to become a two-keeper league so that he can keep his running back and also Pat Mahomes. But I don't like having a keeper league where you can keep the same position because then there's certain teams that go into the draft and you know they're already stacked at running back. You end up keeping them for a long time. Now, one thing about the keeper that, that changes a little bit from league to league depending on how you do it or what you're doing with it is some keeper leagues – you just lock in your guy. It you know, you you no matter who you keep, that's who you keep and then you draft just as normal whatever your draft order is for whatever reason, you just draft. Other keeper leagues when you keep a guy, you lose a certain round pick based off their average draft position or based off where you drafted them the previous year. So what I mean by that is, let's say I have David Johnson and he's my keeper. In a normal keeper league, I keep David Johnson and then I go on with my pick. In this other option, you could have David Johnson. You look at his average draft. He could be anywhere from a late first round to an early second round. So you take a look at a guy like that and you would lose whatever the average draft position is. So for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, 
Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, you know, Saquon Barkley, those guys are consistently going in the first round of every single mock draft you do. If you look up on ESPN, if you look up on Pro Football, uh, if you look on basically any single platform, you're going to see those four names as the top four picks. Now, why this is important is if I have Christian McCaffrey and I have the 10th pick in a 12-man league, then I'm getting a huge discounted price for keeping Christian McCaffrey at pick number 10. That's nice, right? Because I'm getting Christian McCaffrey at pick number 10, a spot that Christian McCaffrey will never fall to. But if your keeper is a guy like Delvin Cook, who has potential to be a really good running back, if he's the top running back on your squad and you've decided to keep him and his average draft position is, you know, late second round, middle second round, but you are, you're taking that chance that you're giving up that round pick. So if you're in, let's say, you're the, you have the first pick in the second round, which means that you're drafting at the end of the draft, maybe because you drew it, maybe because you did pretty good in the previous year and, that, and that's the order that you got. But if you have the first or second pick in the second round and you have to give that pick up to, for Delvin Cook, you may reconsider. You have to look at the value of the player and the value of the pick. Depending on where they're going, in the average draft position, the ADP, you may decide to keep somebody else just because of the value that you have to give up for the pick. So that's something that you need to sit down and eyeball. Uh, I love the idea of getting a guy in the position they were drafted the year before. Or, or that they were previously drafted. Um, and what is awesome about that is, like I said, somebody the first year that Kamara was kept, this guy took a, took a stab. He was the person that drafted Kamara. I believe it was the last round, whatever. He, he had a vision. He saw this guy, probably got a little bit lucky, but he was the guy the next year, he only has to give up a fifth, his 15th round, 14th round pick to get Kamara. That's a steal. So that helps you try to identify that player that you think is going to be a breakout player. And look back at, at some of the guys that were breakout players over the last couple years. Uh, Kamara, Kareem Hunt is one that comes to mind. Um, even... Wide receivers, Michael Thomas, uh, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was, was a top wide receiver last year. If that was somebody that you decided you wanted to keep because they were one of the better players on your team, but maybe you got lucky and you drafted Adam Thielen in, I don't know, the eighth round, ninth round, 
the previous year, and then this guy comes out and ends up putting up top 10 wide receiver numbers, that might be a steal. So what will happen is you'll end up getting guys that normally, you know, wouldn't be keeper material, but you're getting such a bargain on them. Uh, last year, I went in with high hopes for Royce Freeman. I, I thought he was going to be a really good running back. I still think he's going to be a really good running back, but I drafted him early in our draft last year. I think I used a third-round pick on him. After week one, I jumped on the waiver wire and picked up Philip Lindsay on waivers. Philip Lindsay ended up being a top 12 running back. So if I decided to keep him in this format, I would only sacrifice a 15th round pick. Now getting Philip Lindsay in the 15th round is unbelievable because he was a waiver wire pickup. So there's a lot of different ways to do the keepers. There's a lot of sources on the internet that you can look up, uh, but those are your three main ways of a keeper league. Decide how many keepers and go from there. Once you get past a certain amount of keepers, I like to call that number five, you're basically in a dynasty league. Now, a dynasty league needs commitment, and it needs you need to know that these guys are returning every single year because what you're doing is you're filling a football team and then you keep the same team, much like in the NFL. You come back the next year with the same guys that you've had. And so you don't want a, a real heavy turnover every single year because then you're trying to pawn off somebody's team who they built the way they liked it to somebody new. And it, it's really hard to get a, a fresh turnover. So a dynasty league needs to have commitment. And basically what you do is you you have a... A little larger roster. You can have anywhere from 15 to 20 people. I've actually seen them go a little bit over that. I like to keep it around 15 to 20 people. And you draft. And then at the end of the year, you can make cuts. And based on the cuts you make, you get to go and draft in the rookie draft. So you have a rookie draft. Uh, this year, obviously, some of the big names with, you know, Josh Jacobs, Montgomery, um, Nikhil Harry, you know, these guys are in the rookie draft. So you have a rookie draft. The rookies then get added to your dynasty team, and then you can make more cuts from there to, to fix your roster and everything else. And then guys are allowed to go on the waiver and, and pick up guys that had been cut. And you build your team. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to run a dynasty league. I've seen them where they only keep, you know, seven guys. And then they have a rookie draft, a five-round rookie draft. And then they'll have a, you know, a five-round waiver draft. I've seen them played like that. So it's really whatever you want to make it. Um you know, I love Dynasty Leagues. They're a lot of fun. The other option is an auction league. Now, an auction league is you get a certain salary cap. They call on a player's name, and you bid on it. You got to stay under your salary cap. So let's say you have um, $1,000 to spend. 
you might end up spending $200, $300 to get a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, to get a guy like Saquon Barkley, to get a guy like Christian McCaffrey. You might be spending a lot of money. So what has to happen is later on in the draft, you got to find those discounted players. You got to buy a Golden Tate for five bucks. You got to buy a you know, a late round tight end, a TJ Hawkinson cheap because you spent your money early in the draft. Now you can set your salary cap at whatever you want. Uh, A lot of teams do, you know, smaller dollar amounts. A lot of teams do bigger dollar amounts. I've seen them with a hundred thousand dollars, you know, it's all play money. This is just what your salary cap is. Now you can also do an auction league where that amount is your buy-in. You can have a max of $200. You're allowed to spend all $200. The money that you spend then goes into the pot, and then it's divvied out at the end of the year for the winners. So lots of different things you can do. The easiest, if you're just getting started, get yourself in a redraft league, whether it's with friends, whether it's just jumping on a Yahoo or an NFL league. ESPN has a good host. Get in a league and start playing. Don't get into a big money league until you're comfortable. Um, Make sure that you know what you're doing. Don't be that guy that comes in and you're all excited. So, you know, first overall, you draft Tom Brady because he's the GOAT, right? That's not how fantasy football works. You got to build a team, start somewhere. And then get into leagues with your buddies, with your friends. Do you want to play with friends? Do you want to play with a bunch of random people online? Jump into a league. It's whatever you want. Daily fantasy. Daily fantasy is your fan duels, your draft kings. Um, Draft has an app. I believe Yahoo has a daily fantasy now. Daily fantasy is there is no year-long commitment. You can go on week one, do a draft, pick your team, And you can let them go, do another draft, week two, try to build your best lineup under a uh, salary cap, try to win money. You can get in leagues where you redraft every single week. You can get in just head-to-head. You can get in the big tournaments. But it's every single week you get to start over. Injuries don't carry over. Guys holding out don't carry over. So nobody's getting screwed over by Le'Veon Bell holding out last year. Nobody's sitting there worrying about Zeke Elliott or Melvin Gordon, right? Every single week you get to start fresh. If one of your wide receivers gets hurt and it costs you, try again next week. It's no big deal. Uh, Jumping into the actual gameplay of fantasy football, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. One of the things that off the top of my head is scoring. The two things you'll hear over and over again if you're new to fantasy football, you'll hear PPR versus non-PPR. PPR stands for point per reception, which means every single time your guy catches the ball, that's an automatic point. That changes the game of fantasy a lot. It can take a guy who will get five catches but for only 40 yards because they're an inside slot guy or a tight end five catches for 40 yards which in standard scoring 
if you get one point per 10 yards and he's got 40 yards, you only got four points. But if he got those 40 yards by getting five catches, you add another five points. That takes a four-point game and turns it into a nine-point game. That's a huge difference in fantasy football, especially when you start talking about guys like Jillian Edelman who gets peppered with targets. He might not always get a touchdown. He might not always get a 100-yard game. But it's very likely that he has 10 to 15 targets a game and maybe comes down with, you know, eight of those catches for 80 yards. Now, you didn't hit the 100 marker, so you don't have the 10 points there. You got eight points. In a standard league, eight points, it's not, I mean, you're looking for more. You add in that full point PPR, all of a sudden he's got 16 points. It's a pretty good outing. Non-PPR, you're going just off yards and touchdowns. So it does. It gives it gives a little bit more value to wide receivers and to running backs who are able to catch the ball out of the backfield, especially those third down running backs who aren't going to rush for 100 yards, who aren't going to rush for, you know, even 50 yards. It makes a guy like Theo Riddick, Eckler, have a little bit of value in this league because they're going to catch some balls out of the backfield. In the league that I run, we kind of we took a vote. We vote on everything, even though I'm the commissioner of the league. I put everything to a vote. We decided when we started this league that we wanted to be right in the middle. We do a .5 PPR. Half point PPR, they get .5 for the catch, so they're not quite getting that full point, but at least they're getting something. So it gives you a little bit extra value. I, I love having the half point or the full point PPR. I think I think it opens up your roster to allow, you know, especially slot wide receivers who can't compete with the yards and the touchdowns as some of the big guys, the Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, you know, those big name wide receivers that are pulling in 100-yard games and multiple touchdown a game, you know. It's hard to compete with those wide receivers, but if you get a guy that's going to snag you five catches, even if it's not for a lot of yards, you know, it, it makes that player have value. And it also brings a lot of value to those third down running backs who, who normally go undrafted or, or are nothing more than a handcuff. It gives guys like, you know, like I said, Theo Riddick and Eckler, uh, some value in a fantasy league. And, and if you have a big league where you have, you know, a 10-man league or a 12-man league, having other options for a guy that you can throw in at a flex position or an RB2 on a bye week, you know, it gives them some value being able to get those extra points. Um, bonuses, you know, what are you going to reward these guys for? You're going to set up your normal scoring you know, do you want to have six-point touchdowns across the board for quarterbacks, for running backs, for wide receivers? You can set it all up. Make sure when you go into the league, read the rules and your scoring. I, I cannot believe how many people will join a fantasy league. They'll jump into it, and they get so excited, and they go out and they, they draft a quarterback because, 
you know, quarterbacks usually have their hand in most touchdowns and all this stuff. And then they're like, well, my quarterback only gets four points for a touchdown or my quarterback only gets three points for a touchdown. And, and they don't, they don't understand the concept of their game. It can completely change how you draft your team based on the scoring. Again, PPR versus not PPR. Bonuses, right? Are you going to get a bonus for your quarterback throwing over 300 yards? That's what ours is in my league. You get a, you get a five-point bonus if they pass for over 300 yards. You also get a five-point bonus if your running back rushes for over 100 yards. And you get a five-point bonus if you have over 100 yards receiving. So when you're looking at players, especially in this year's draft, when you're comparing between, let's say, a guy like Todd Gurley, who a lot of people have slipping down their boards because of the knee issues and you know the the diagnosis that he has arthritis now this guy's slipping down the boards but in our league you get 6 points for a touchdown but you also get a 5 point bonus if they rush for over 100 yards i don't know about Todd Gurley's production this year but as of right now it's looking like he may not plow out 100 yards a game so he becomes what you would call touchdown dependent. You're looking for him to get those touchdowns still. So guys may lean towards a guy who has the opportunity to have 100 yards and a touchdown more so than the guy that's going to, you know, just plug in a touchdown here or there because you get that bonus at 100 yards. Guys like Christian McCaffrey are gold because on any given week, there's a chance that he could rush for 100 yards, and if not, there's a chance that he could receive for 100 yards. And if he has 100 yards receiving as a running back, he still gets that bonus. And everything after the 100 uh, is is just another added uh, five-point bonus. So uh, Pat Mahomes, if he comes out, and throws for 300 yards, he gets a five-point bonus. If he makes it to 400, he'll get another five-point bonus, meaning that he got 10 points in bonuses, which is awesome. So study the league scoring. It's very important because it's going to change the way you draft. It's going to change the way you look at players. Set up bonuses. You know, Reward these players for doing things. I know I've actually played in a league where they were rewarded an extra bonus for having a touchdown that was over 50 yards. So not only are you getting all the points that you got from that big play, but if they bust one for over 50 yards, they got rewarded for with another bonus. So there's always things that you want to look at. You study that, look at the bonuses, and, and figure out exactly the type of player that's going to fit well with the scoring and the bonuses that you have. Uh, That comes down to the size of your roster. How much space do you have? How many players are on your bench? How many players are you starting? 
pretty much every single league is going to have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. And then after that, that's where things start changing. Do they have a tight end? Do they have a flex position? A flex position means that you can play an extra running back and wide receiver. There are flex positions where you can play a running back, wide receiver, or tight end. And then there's what they call a super flex, which means you can play whatever you want there, even a quarterback. Now, if you have a league where quarterbacks consistently score a lot of points, then having a second quarterback is ideal for that super flex position. It also makes it hard if you're playing in a 12-man league because you only got 32 starting quarterbacks, and if everybody's rolling out in a two-quarterback league or a quarterback league where you can have a quarterback at super flex, that's 24 quarterbacks starting every single week. And when you only have 32 starting quarterbacks, that means there becomes a lot more value on the quarterback position. Now, if you're only playing one quarterback, you're usually going to see the top 12 quarterbacks rostered on a team, but you'll also see a lot of teams carry two quarterbacks just as backups, but you don't have to. You can stream one for that bye week. You can pick one up if there's an injury, but in a two quarterback or a super flex league, you're going to have you know, almost every single quarterback in your league picked up and and the roster, the uh, waiver wire becomes very thin, very hard to find. So you got to look at that roster size, make a decision. Do you want to have just pick a defense? I have the Bears defense. I have the Rams defense, Baltimore's defense. Or do you want to draft individual defensive players? where you're drafting guys like J.J. Watt, you're drafting guys like Tyron Matthews, where you're drafting individual players. How deep is your defense? Are you drafting four players, five players? I've seen some leagues where you draft a team defense, but then you get to pick one defensive player. Again, this all comes down to your league. This comes down to your commissioner, which is my next bullet point the commissioner. The commissioner is very, very important in a good league. And the reason I say this is you can run a league without a commissioner, no doubt. You guys sit down, you talk about it, you put together a league and it goes. But I'm telling you, maybe not in year one, maybe not in year two, but at some point, somebody's going to have to step forward as the leader, as the voice for your league. Now, I told you I played in fantasy for a long time here. We started, our commissioner when I first started was the guy who unfortunately had to sit down and and take the scores and do it from the paper. And he was the one that handed everything out at the end of the week and let you know if you won or lost. So he had a very important job and we made sure he was uh, accommodated for the hard work he did. He got to take a certain percent of the purse at the end of the year. And we'd always make sure that our winners tipped them. Uh, and it was awesome, but it was a lot of work. Commissioners now have it a little bit easier. They just set up the league. They invite the players. But you want to have that person to turn to when you have a question in your league. 
you want somebody that's going to step forward to make sure that the league is running clean, make sure that there's not collusion, make sure that trades aren't getting vetoed just because people are upset, make sure that trades are fair and that nobody's trying to stack a team. I think the commissioner is a very important role in a good ran fantasy football league. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here. I like to think that I run a very clean league. Uh, This is a group of friends. We've all been friends for a long time. We have 12 of us. I like to make sure that everybody in my league is happy because a happy league is a fun league. I don't want our friends fighting. I don't want people bickering. I oversee the whole league. I make sure that when there's trade talks going on, there's no collusion, that you know, we, we have ours set up a little bit different. Um, every single year, if you took first pit place, then you have the last pick in the, in the draft the next year, and we work our way down. Well, early on, we kind of got the gift of somebody who had fallen out of the playoff race. We have eight of our 12 teams make the playoffs, four miss the playoffs. One of these teams was clearly out of the playoff race, And so he started kind of not caring, dropping players, um, not setting his lineup with the mindset that I lost, I'm just going to suck it up, and I get first pick next year. So as the commissioner of the league, I went to everybody immediately when when I thought that this was happening, and we took a vote right away and made the decision that the four teams that missed the playoffs would play in what we call the toilet bowl. They would play in a two-week playoff, and you had to win that two-week playoff to get the first overall pick. So while he had made that decision to just tank and stop caring, he now, the best he could get, or the worst he could get, I guess, would be fourth overall pick. So if he really wanted that first overall pick the next year to secure the fact that he could have the best player available, which is important in our keeper league because you've already got 12 guys off the board, that first pick is very important. He had to have a good enough team rostered so that he could try to win that toilet bowl playoff series. So as a commissioner, I addressed that right away it keeps all 12 uh, general managers in our league engaged. None of them are tanking because they know that even when they get to that toilet bowl, they have to win those two playoff games to secure that first overall spot. So it gives motivation. This is something that we addressed right away. We also one time had a guy who made a trade and everybody in the league found it unfair. Now, he wasn't trying collusion or anything. He legitimately thought that he was bettering his team. But everybody saw it as an unfair advantage. So what I did as commissioners, I took time out of my day, and I called both people who had made the trade, and I asked them about it. I said, you're making this trade. You're getting the better player. Do you feel like you're ripping this person off? And he said, I mean, I feel like I won the trade, 
I don't feel like I'm ripping him off because he is desperate in need of a running back. So while I'm getting his best wide receiver, one of the top wide receivers in the game, and I'm only giving him two mediocre running backs, I don't really feel that I'm ripping him off because he can't roster a team because he's without running backs right now. So then I made a phone call to the other guy and I said, hey, you're giving up one of the best wide receivers in the game. And he said, I'm desperate. And I said, okay, um, you don't feel that there's anything on waivers that you can do to better your team without giving up the top wide receiver in the game? And he said, no, I, I, I feel like this is going to benefit me in the long run. I'm not trying to just tank. I'm not trying to help this other player. I'm, I'm still trying to roster what I believe is the best team. So then I interviewed every single person in the league. I took time out of my day. We talked about it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I made the decision that this guy wasn't trying to quit. He wasn't trying to stack this other person's team. He was making what he felt was the best decision. He also showed me text messages that he had where he had made offers to other guys in the league that had been turned down. So it wasn't that these two guys just were trying to, you know, overthrow the league, that he was just quitting or anything. He legitimately was shopping this number one wide receiver in this league. Nobody was biting on the offer. Maybe the teams couldn't afford to give up two separate mediocre running backs. He couldn't find any. So as the commissioner of the league, I made the decision to let the league or let the trade go through. Now, right off the bat, you could have had a vote and that would have got turned down. And then what happens is this guy who thinks he's making a trade is all of a sudden he feels like he's in desperation mode. And when people get in that desperation mode, they don't tend to try as hard. It put this guy back in the race. He ended up finishing eh, somewhere in the middle of the pack, I think. But he stayed engaged for, throughout the whole season, mainly because I didn't see this as a, I'm trying to quit or I'm trying to stack my his team. He thought he was making the better trade. So I took the time out to do what was best for the league, which isn't something that every single commissioner is going to do. And I don't expect every single commissioner to do, to do that. But you want a commissioner that's going to stay engaged in the league. You want a commissioner that's going to make sure that your league is running clean, clear-cut, fair. You want a commissioner that you're going to trust, especially if you're playing in a money league. This is somebody that's usually in control of the money, that's usually in control of the payouts. So it's got to be somebody that you trust. I have a very strict rule. Money is due by the time you draft. Um, I have had people come up to me privately and just said, hey, something came up. Daughter had to get braces. I'm getting married. Can I throw it to you next week? And I tell them, look it, you know the rules. One time I had to make the decision because it was somebody who 
not that I didn't trust because it was we were all friends. This was in a previous league, but he was kind of that person that kind of always drug his feet, you know. He and I said, "Look at man, like I need it." So he didn't have it on draft day. I told him that it had to be there before the first games were played, and he had it to me. Sometimes you get a guy, something comes up, they tell you something. Look, at when you're the commissioner of the league, you want a good, clean, fair run league. So you do what you got to do to make sure the league runs clean, runs fair. Make sure that that money is in the pot when you have to pay out. Um, we pay out weekly for high score. Whoever scores the highest score of that week gets 20 bucks. You have to make sure that that money's there so that you can pay out every single week. You have to make sure that that money's there so that you have to pay out at the end of the year. We pay out first, second, and third place. So the commissioner is very important. Now, something that I do, and again, you're not going to get this from every single commissioner. You're not going to get this from a lot of people, but I like to stay engaged. I set up a private chat room with all 12, including myself, all 12 members of our fantasy league so that we can talk to each other, so that we can talk a little smack, right? But what's nice about this is even though we're all friends, we all know each other, there are a couple people that might not be as close. This gives them a platform to communicate. It makes it easy so that when uh, general manager A is trying to work a trade. It's easy for him to communicate with general manager B. He can just click on the name and private message him. That was something that I set up because I wanted to make sure that, you know, that it wasn't just two of the best buddies in the league talking to each other, trying to make a trade. I wanted to, I wanted to give a fair shot for everybody in the league to communicate with each other. So that was something I went out of, of my way to make sure it was set up. I also... Every single week, I write a blog. I write a blog on things that happened of significance in the NFL, guys that got injured, guys that were returning, guys that had big games. I write a blog. I also acknowledge people in our league for having high score, for winning big division games. I love writing my blog. I'm actually thinking this year, now that I'm getting into the podcasting, that I'm going to make a private podcast for everybody in my league to listen to because not everybody has the sit down, the, the time to sit down and read the blogs. So I think I'm going to throw together a quick little podcast for them so that they can just listen to it. But same concept. I want to acknowledge everybody in my league. I want to give them something to look forward to every single week. I love fantasy football. Fantasy football can be a lot of fun if done correctly because it is something that, like I said, we have that chat. That chat stays active year-round. Year-round. We have the guy in our league who just won the championship last year, uh, and he makes sure at least once a month that he reminds us that he's the champ. Um, In our league, we hand out a championship title belt that the winner gets to keep for the year and on top of the the cash that they get but it's it's awesome to bring our friends together to play fantasy football i like to 
to dabble a little bit with the dailies and, and stuff like that. But having a good, strong foundation for a fantasy football league is a lot of fun. It's a good way to bring friends together when you do the draft. Uh, we, we have a draft party, food, drinks. We all get together. Uh, some leagues take turns hosting. As the commissioner, I love hosting. I love having all the guys here. So we do a draft party. You can do live drafts. You can do online drafts. Fantasy football is a lot of fun. And if you're not in one and you're looking for one, and that's what led you to this podcast, then get in one and start having fun. You won't regret it. It's great, and maybe it'll lead you off to doing other fantasy sports. Um, I'm not as big into other fantasy sports only because it's a year-round commitment with as many games as the other sports. I do play a little bit of fantasy basketball, but the fantasy baseball is just too long and time-consuming for me. But fantasy football is my specialty. I love fantasy football. Like I said, I've been playing for a long time. Uh, I've, I've won lots of different tournaments in the daily. I've won uh, championships in... Actually, I've won, I won a championship in every single league that I've ever been in. I've never been in a league where I didn't at least take the championship once. In my current league that I'm running... I was fortunate enough to win back-to-back championships. I've never finished outside of the, the top four. And it motivates me. It motivates me every single year to, to play, to do better. And again, just have fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to talk to the guys. It gives you a reason to watch football like you need another one anyways. But football is so much fun. It gives you a reason to watch teams you normally wouldn't watch uh, and it's the reason that channels like the Red Zone exist because people love fantasy football. You can play in a league with your work friends. It gives you guys something to talk about at work, playing with your best buddies, or just getting in a random league. You know, maybe partner up with somebody else and get in a big money league. Then it gives you and your buddies something to talk about. If you have any questions, seriously, shoot me an email, sofakingcool at gmx.com. I'm going to be firing up another podcast here very shortly. going to cover some of the players and everything so you guys can start getting ready for your drafts. And look forward to talking to you guys later. Have a good one. Peace.